Hello and welcome to In at Break, a discussion on all things education. You can call me Mr B. I teach sport and business in a further education college. And I'm Mr T and I'm a primary school teacher. Each week one of us is going to ask the other a question about education. It might be serious, it might be silly, but we'll give you our take on it. We're going to decide who asks the question with a good old-fashioned coin toss. I'll flip it and you call it. Here we go. Uh, Our socially isolated podcast. I mean, we normally, so just for background for people, we normally do this in your home. Yeah. In your office. Yeah. Face to face. Yeah. Looking into each other's eyes. About three feet apart. (laughs) If we're both reclining back, maybe five feet apart. (laughs) It's a small office. So we're breaking breaking all the rules, basically. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so um, just because I feel like it's good to get a bit of context in that people might be listening to this out of order. uh, Today is the 15th of April and we are still um, essentially in lockdown in the UK. So schools have all closed. Colleges have all closed. I think even universities have all closed. So as far as education right now, um, the expectation varies from school to school, but roughly people are like sending homework or having online lessons and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so it's just in case anyone listens to this, not immediately when it comes out, just that's where we're at right now. So if anything has changed, like for example, if in the next two months, something completely changed with education, just so you know, this is where we were at, which should be kind of interesting if something does dramatically change somehow. Yeah. But, um, that that was kind of the question that I think we should just discuss today is how will coronavirus change education going forwards? That is so the, we I would think, we would normally do a coin flip, obviously. Yes. Um, but I would now be relying on you to do it and be honest about it. And quite <laughs> frankly, I'm just not willing to do that. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I, th- I so, think uh, I'm just taking the uh, I'm just taking the agro route and i'm just i'm just claiming this question for myself yeah i was gonna say so you can you can just go ahead you can just fire away don't, <laughs> so be, I was... don't be surprised but i just refuse to answer <laughs> <laughs> you didn't win the coin flip <laughs> so i would the, the the things that i've been talking to other teachers about and thinking about myself um is the, the most interesting part for me is this that if this year we are saying that teacher judgment is total and complete and whatever children are going to be getting at college or, you know, GCSE level or, you know, I know universities are doing this, like just grading it off of what a teacher is saying, um, what a lecturer is saying, brother. Um, how are they ever going to come back from this next year? Because Obviously, right now, as a system, especially in primary school, we have quite a lot of emphasis on data and moderation and making sure that everybody is accurate and understanding that there are particular things that need to be touched. But this year, we are kind of leaving it up to the teachers. And I think it's going to be a weird thing next year if you're going to be talking to someone and someone goes, well, my judgment was fine last year. Why is it that why is it that I was trusted to give my children a grade in 2020 and I'm not trusted to give them a grade in 2021? <clears throat> that is going to be for me the most interesting thing next year to see how they are going to adapt to kind of disregarding the teacher assessment to the level that they've used it this year. I think that 
realistically what we're starting to talk about is the uh, is how robust the current examination and um, accreditation network or scheme that the country yeah. runs is. Um, so I, I appreciate that exams are necessary um, in terms of like a big data tool. You, you really would struggle to measure uh, national achievement rates without something that's easily quantifiable. Yeah. Um, so I can see the case for exams. I also see that if you have standardized exams with right and wrong answers and verified grading and stuff like that, then it becomes a lot easier to have a level playing field. I find one of the things that I'm slightly concerned about with teacher judgment is some teachers are shit and some <laughs> teachers are and some teachers are amazing. Um, yep. And so that's that's where i'm kind of struggling with this a little bit is what happens if um you know i've had instances of this already this year with like when i was trying to verify some coursework grades i said i think that's worth a pass and someone else said oh no listen don't worry like yeah no that's a distinction give them a distinction they'll be happy it's like no <laughs> what no that's that's they'll not how this should happen yeah so um i i have some concerns about that but I also think that exams have been fundamentally flawed for quite a while. I don't think exams take into account um, the difficulties some people have with them. Yeah. I think that we tell children so much and so often, don't fail, don't be bad at something, don't get it wrong, mm -hmm. don't make a mistake. And then we put them in a high-stress situation that we build them up for. We build them up towards it for like a year or two. Yeah, and we then say, right now you've got one shot to do this. So all that stuff we've said about don't make a mistake, don't worry about that extra pressure. It's all on the line now. This is <laughs> yeah, your exactly. chance to not make a mistake. <laughs> so I, I've I've been a big fan of continuous assessment for a long time, mm -hmm. um, but I don't think it's standardised in a way that is helpful. I think if you let a student know, okay, like each half term you'll get graded and your overall grade at the end of the year will be a, a, um, the culmination of those uh, those grades, the, the the total kind of overall so weighting. Like a coursework grades. style? Yeah, but it doesn't even need to be based just on coursework or exams. It can be on application, understanding of knowledge and classroom conversation. Oh, I see. Nice. Um, so I guess that ties back in then. So you would hope then that the teacher assessment, if it basically, if it, if it was normally good, if your if your if your idea was implemented, which it might be from next year, perhaps because maybe this year they're going to see that teacher assessment is actually probably a lot more accurate than giving people those exams. Although I understand the importance and I understand that an exam can be used to uh, help teacher assessment, I think ultimately we're the ones that are in that classroom with them every day. Like you can tell very quickly the children who are struggling and the children who are, you know, flying well, above, well beyond the year group. And so hopefully after this year, if we've been trusted to give people final grades based off of just teacher assessment, maybe we'd end up in more of a position like that next year when we can use teacher assessment to 
kind of give more of a final answer. I mean, right now it's a bit different for me anyway, because in year two, that's how we do it. In year yeah. two, we have SATs, but the SATs aren't used to grade the children. They're used to influence my assessment, which I feel like is the best way to do it. Because there are children last year who are greater depth in my class who, you know, they're absolutely beyond the scheme that they're currently on. They're well beyond year two curriculum level. But they really struggled in the SATs just because of what you were saying. It's a high stress environment. It's a something, and no matter how many mock SATs you put them through, they're never really used to it. It's still an alien thing. It's you know, especially you know when they're six and seven years old. How how much can exposure can they have to an exam? Really, it doesn't. No matter how many mock exams I do with them, they're still not going to be there. They're not going to quite be at that level yet, where they're able to you know, understand what's happening and kind of internalize it and get themselves through that tough situation without having some kind of pressure on their shoulders. But they're flawed at their, at their most fundamental level exams, because you're taking people whose brains are still developing, whose attention spans are still developing. And depending on what research you look at anywhere between 12 seconds and like 20 minutes is the maximum kind of accredited attention span for a, a young person. Yeah. That's between the ages of like three up to 18. Um, and you're sticking them in a room for what? Half an hour, 45 minutes for yeah. the younger ages up to like three hours for some of the older students. And it's like, well, what do you expect? They're going to switch off. They're not going to be focused. They're going to struggle. They're not going to look forward to it. And there's numerous, um, research papers out there that say that if they're going to be anxious going into it, it's going to diminish performance. Yeah, of course. And then, have... and then what? And then what is what was the point of it? Because if the idea exactly. is that I'm trying to get results, then what was the point? Exactly. I get it that in some situations, you need to be able to perform under pressure. Okay, yeah. Brain surgery. Yeah. Totally. Completely understand. Sure. Uh, Formula One mechanic changing a tire. Yeah. Completely get it. Of course. I totally understand that. But they've had time to build up and develop to that. Yeah. And I get really, really, really sick of people telling students of all ages, your grade at the end of the year is going to define you as a person. Mm-hmm. Like, that's absolute nonsense. Like, we're setting these kids up to be told, well, you're pretty crap, really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Sure. Maybe, there's, maybe there's 10% of the population who are coming out of it saying, like, I'm amazing. And then another 10% of it saying, I did better than I thought. But then the majority of kids are going to be sitting in this bracket thinking, well, I only got what I was supposed to get or I did worse than I wanted to. Yeah. Um, and so I'm only okay or I'm crap. And, yeah, sure. And I think that's I'm... just quite damaging. And I think there's a chance with continuous assessment and teacher-led guidance, uh, teacher-guided uh, grades, um, for us to actually maybe start taking other things into account and start taking into account, you know, there's just those days where that student is just firing on all cylinders and nails every question in class. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And they just get it. But then it comes up to the exam and maybe that question doesn't come up on the exam. Yep. And what happens then? What happens then? They've got a clear understanding of the subject. Like all people have off days and all it's going to take is one off day. What happens if you've got a cold? What happens if your dog died? Yeah, well, I think, I think you... this is the age-old question, isn't it? I don't think that these, these uh, arguments are necessarily anything new against exams. And I think that perhaps the coronavirus might be a bit of a kind of 
forced transition where there might be a little bit less of an emphasis on exams. It'd be interesting to see what's going to happen next year, especially in primary schools for me, because they've already been saying that they're cancelling SATs for, for a number of years, that SATs is going to be gone. And they're planning on getting rid of the year two SATs. I know that for a fact. They are planning on binning the year two SATs. But I wonder if this will also have an impact of the year six SATs. Because from what I've been told, what happens is you get all this stuff around you saying okay, you need to do really, really well in year six. And then you get your SATS results, you move on to the next school, and the school doesn't doesn't really even care about your previous SATS results because they reassess you when you get in anyway. So what were the SATS really for? Do you know what I mean? I wonder if yeah. at some point we're chasing our own tail to just say, oh, all of primary school is leading up to this big exam at the end of year six, when actually, is it necessary? If, if I've been assessed the whole way and teachers have been doing their job i don't think i need one big exam at the end just to just to show off what i do know because we already it's already been shown throughout the years the teachers have explored what i have been able to show and i've been assessed each time so i don't really necessarily think that it's it's needed at all obviously it's a bit different when you get to gcse's i understand that you're probably going to have a bit more of a an understanding of exams in our like higher age levels um, well, sorry, certainly, sorry, but certainly, certainly, primary schools. It doesn't seem to make any sense to now revert back to exams when we've shown quite clearly that this year we it wasn't necessary. And um, I guess also on the back of that as well, you could you could discuss about the fact that this big gap, no matter how good your um, no matter how good your home learning is, no matter what the stuff you've been sent home is, how good it is it's still not going to be up to scratch compared to a teacher. There's a reason that we get qualified and it's because not everybody can do this job and it does take training to be able to do. So the people next year, if we were to suddenly reintroduce exams as we know them, it's going to have a massive detriment. It's going to be, it's going to be essentially a write-off year and it's going to be a year of, oh, don't worry about the results this year. And in which case, why did we do them in the first place? What was the point in introducing those stats again? This is the perfect time to drop these uh, the exams that we don't feel are necessary. I agree. I agree. I'm. I'm also. I don't know. I. I, I know they're bringing in T levels uh, next year. T levels. Okay. T levels like trade levels. So. Oh. A, a vocational equivalent of like A levels. Okay. Um, to be more appealing to hands-on disciplines and qualifications. Right. Which is excellent. Like I'm, I'm all for that. I really am. Um, but I'm kind of more thinking about students that are going to come to us and students that are going to enrol with us. And it's going to be like, well, yeah, you know, like my teacher gave me fours and fives at GCSE level. Um, and we're going to be like, okay, well, right, we can put you in on this course, but you know, we might have some issues or my teacher gave me a three in maths and you're like, okay, well, you're going to have to resit maths. So you can't go on to this full sure. tech that we've got. You've got to go on to a sub diploma instead, take less information with us and resit your GCSE maths. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, your teacher's basing that on your marks and how well you were doing in March, knowing full well that you still had, april and may to prepare for your gcse's yeah sure um and that's a long time like i know it doesn't sound like much probably to people who aren't teachers but 
two months in a classroom yeah. is a fucking lifetime and you can turn i've seen it i've seen it last year i've seen people get turned around and they've gone from completely not understanding the absolute fundamentals to being able to explain to other people far more complex problems than what i was expecting them to be able to understand in the first place it, yeah. two months is a long time to be able to focus on someone and especially when you know exactly what the weak point is you can absolutely hone in on that. You can find exactly what the holes are in their knowledge and fill them entirely in two months. Mm. It's, 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 a, it's a long amount of time. It's a, it's, it's a huge deal to not have those two months before an exam. Well, it's a quarter of the teaching year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even putting it in perspective like it, that is um, it's, it's a quarter immense. of the teaching year. It's gone. Um, it's a lot. And it, yeah, I mean, think about that for a second. Like, we're trying to turn around and say to this kid, yeah, well, you know, you you were a three, a grade three GCSE after a quarter of the teaching year, uh, or missing a quarter of the teaching year. That means they could have been at a four. Yeah. Just by the sheer logic of, like, if they were getting, you know, one grade up per quarter of the year, like, potentially they could have been at a four. Who knows? Maybe they didn't mean it at five. Maybe sure. the last twenty-five percent of material that they would have gone over would have all just clicked with them. Um, I suppose that we, my point would be here is that if it, I, I'm hoping that coronavirus will give perspective to that, exactly like what you're saying, and it won't matter as much. Well, I I've requested that we have more leniency for accepting um, new students in August September this year. I, yeah. I actually put it in writing and said, I want more say. I don't want to have to go by um, these specific guidelines from BTEC because I think those guidelines aren't going to fit this year. Right. Because I have worries that, like, maybe, yeah, like I said, some teachers are shit. Maybe some students, maths teachers said, you're worth a three. But then we find out that that maths teacher isn't a great maths teacher, doesn't have great connection with their students. Um. Or I'm quite alarmed by the fact that Ofqual wants us to rank students in our class so that we have an even distribution of grades. So what happens if that guy or girl was at a four and uh, so were 20 other people in the class and the teacher goes, oh, I've got to bump someone down to a three to make sure the grade distribution's Right, sure. So uh, you, you're getting bumped down to a three. Well, hang on a minute. Last week they were a four. Yeah, and it's a nightmare situation, isn't it? Because ultimately, what you're saying there is, we don't trust you enough to give your own assessment. We have to, we have to fence post your assessment and say, here is what you need to have, just assign the names. Yeah. But that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that next year they're not going to be able to do that because I'm going to. Well, hang on. Last year, my assessment was spot on. My assessment was given, and you trusted me. You trusted me to be able to give this assessment. How, how is it suddenly in one year's time, my assessment isn't good enough and I suddenly need to be fence posted into saying, no, 20% of your class need to be getting a three. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? I, like, I, don't, I, I, don't agree. Think, I don't think it's going to fly. I don't think so. I think there'll be a lot of pushback from teachers. I think there'll be massive pushback from students and parents. Um, and I think quite clearly that will come from students and parents who got lower grades than they wanted yeah, of course. um which you know i mean that's kind of the first group that you would expect to to have a, a, a difficult kind of um view on this but 
I think they're perfectly within their rights because they've been built up and told that you're going to have this standardized, um, easily quantifiable tool to measure your child's progress. Mm-hmm. And we're going to whip that away and we're going to leave it at the discretion of one person. And now maybe that person um, hasn't gotten along with your child. Maybe that person has favorites in the class. Yeah. Uh, maybe your child is a new transfer into the class. Mm. Um, who knows? Maybe your child was out sick with glandular there's fever. Just, or there's something so like many that. variables. There's so many there. unknowns. But there will be pushback especially if those parents are then told, oh yeah, next year we're going right back to square one. And I know what they've said is that if you have any disagreement with the grades that you're given, you can resit the exams the following year. Oof. Well, is that tell what they said? Tell me what student wants to go and resit their GCSEs or their A-levels a oh, year after the fact. That's a terrible Who, who wants to do that? It's horrible. Absolutely horrible. And then who like how's that going to affect things? So with with college funding, you're funded from the ages of 16 to 18 or 15 if you're a young learner. Yeah. Okay, but if you enroll and you're 19 at the time of enrollment, then you have to pay for it yourself. So what Shit. happens yeah, if, of course. what happens if we have a student who comes to us at 16 this year when they enrolled? Yeah and they turn 17 they don't get to sit their gcses okay then they're 18 the next year and they do resit their gcses but let's say they don't get them again and that's possible you know some yep. people just struggle with certain subjects and maybe they don't get maths or english that that second year around but they would maybe have been eligible to attempt that gcse again in a third year, just as a standalone subject, maybe. Yeah. And it wouldn't cost them anything. But now if they're going to be 19, is it going to cost them something? These are all just Who's like un- mad questions, aren't they? And, and the, like, I mean, the answer is, who knows? But it does need to be sorted now. Because what, what I don't want to happen is it rolls around to September and these people are going, wait, so what do I do? What's going on next year? Am I going to uni? Like, what's happening? What, like, exactly. what do I need to do? And, and, and I understand that there are so many, so many things that have to be all sorted at once. And I'm not suggesting that necessarily the, um, this is at the forefront, but that this is absolutely something to consider. Um, yeah. The other question I was going to ask in regards to how the coronavirus will change education past this point. Um, how do you feel the kind of PR of teachers will change after this, after they've had to do homeschooling for, let's say, three months? Let's say this goes on for another two months and they've had to do homeschooling for three months. Do you think that the PR of teachers and educators in general will go up? Because I feel like right now, there's a couple of trains of thought I've got. i got one that's, I feel like we're kind of getting lumped in as um, this kind of like frontline hero thing. I don't know how we've managed to pull that off because I'm doing, I'm, I'm literally just playing video games all day. I don't know how we're getting these. Uh, I don't know. How, I'm not suggesting all teachers are doing that, but I'm having, I'm in a particularly big team and we've planned well. So we're, we're very far ahead of where we need to be. Um, and 
I don't really know how I've managed to get this kind of rep as like a hero. But when when parents come and pick their kids up from school right now, so just for context, we still open up the school for key children, which means that roughly, I mean, most most key workers don't aren't sending in their children to school because they've got someone else that can look after the kid. But we probably have about nine children in a day that have wow. that that come in because their parents are both key workers, and so they need to come into school. And when the parents pick them up, they're looking at us like, oh, my God, thank you so much. Like, I appreciate this so much. I'm like, really? Like, we just we just did like a summer camp. I just I just played hockey and football for six hours with your kid. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a hero. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like the PR of teachers has like massively gone up. We've been getting absolutely hammered by emails saying the school is doing so much. You guys have adapted so well. Thank you so much for all of the support and all the work you're sending home, blah, blah, blah. Like, do you know what I mean? I feel like the rep of teachers, the stock of your average ed- educator has substantially raised over this period. People are really looking at teachers like, wow, you know, they're really they, they, like, they've got a hard job, which to be fair, yeah, we do. <laughs> but right now it like i was it was it was harder when i was actually at school not when i'm at home <laughs> like this is a weird time for you to suddenly realize what do you think i i think that um well to put it into context i work in a small team and we're quite shit so uh <laughs> i'm <laughs> sure. I'm, I'm working my ass off uh, <laughs> all the time at the minute. So you actually do deserve the praise. Maybe it's just me. Every other teacher in the country is like fucking scrambling to survive, and I'm just like, oh, I hope I play this no, video for another three hours. I think it's it's different, isn't it? Because with primary schools, so much of it's reliant on the classroom experience. So you have to send work home, and parents have to try and supervise the children through it. Uh, with college stuff, first of all. Our work is still going ahead. Um, GCSEs and A-levels have been cancelled this year, but most um, vocational awarding bodies are still running. Uh, There's some talk of that being uh, stopped maybe next week or the week after, but at present, I still have a full lecture schedule. So I take between two and five lectures a day online. Um, They're not as long. They're shorter, they're a bit more intense. Um, so instead of having the students for an hour and a half, I'll have them for about 50 minutes. Um, and so, yeah, I'm doing between two and five of those a day. Um, well, two and four, the fifth one will normally be like a meeting either with a student or with my director of curriculum. Yeah. Um, so from our side of things, we are still working as normal. Which kind of means that our students Sorry. still have our our students still have the normal perception of us, which is like, oh god, <laughs> Mr. B is a bit of a pain in the ass, and I really can't be asked. But it's much easier for me to dial in now. I yeah. can just like bring up my phone, open up the app on my phone, and like dial in with barely any clothes on from my bed, and it's like, <laughs> and great. they do, and they oh yeah, they do so <laughs> many so many times. So many times. Uh, one of them dialed in the other day. Um, gaming headset on, Xbox <laughs> control in hand. I was like, "Are you, are you playing a video game right now?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah I'm just in the middle of a game of Fortnite." I was like, "Get off the game." He's like, "No, no, but I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm having a really good game." I'm like, and I was like, "No, just get off and come into the lecture." And then he just put his phone face down. 
so I couldn't see what he was doing. And it's like, <laughs> you little dick. <laughs> <laughs> he got you. Um, yeah, well, listen. He, so I he's feel like we're not. Some time. He wants to. He wants to win the game. Yeah. What's he going to do? Just stop? What the fuck? I feel like we're not necessarily getting an increase in uh, how people look at us uh, or an improvement in how people look at us. I think it's mm-hmm. just kind of same old with us. Right. I think what I'm starting to hear is that there's this strange mix of people are very appreciative of what teachers do, but I also think that it's reinforcing a negative stereotype in my head, which is that teachers are daycare for children of all ages. Right. Teachers are those people that we send our children to because we don't want to have to deal with them right now because we've got other things to deal with. Yeah. And I'm starting to hear about people who are like, I can't fucking handle my kids. I I just can't handle it. I don't know how, like, I don't know, like, I'm, they're driving me nuts. Like, I, I just don't want them in the house all the time. I can't get anything done. I can't concentrate. They're always just blah, 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 help me with this or blah, blah, blah. I'm hungry. It's like, well, they, they are your child. Like yeah. you did, you know, you've had them for a while now. You would assume that you were used to this. Like once I, I you think... cross the first year, I think you should be used to the neediness <laughs> of a child, right? So why should this come as a shock to you? And don't be so dismissive of them. Maybe be sure. appreciative of the fact that you've got someone in your house more frequently than you normally do so that you can actually spend some time with them and get to know them. And maybe shit, polish up on some of your skills that you've maybe forgotten from school. And actually get better at things again. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think as well. What's interesting about that is that um, people, I think, assumed that they could just step into it, and it would just yeah. be like, yeah, like, I can do it if I need to. I can do it. Whereas I've actually, yeah, and to be fair, like the parents in my class are awesome. So they've been very upfront and said, um, "What is the language that I should be using to explain this problem?" Because I'm trying to explain it to them in the way that I was taught. And it's clearly not the way that you're teaching them. So I need you to kind of break down the work a little bit, which is absolutely fine. And that's so much better. That's so much better that I would get that conversation going and say, oh, no problem. Like, here's how you're meant to be breaking it down. Here is how to approach that problem. Here is what they're used to. Instead of giving people that kind of, here's the slides, fuck off, give it a go. (laughs) Like, you should know this type of deal. I think That's not the way I teach them, Janice. (laughs) Yeah. Stay in your fucking lane. And, you know, it has to be collaborative. And, you know, I try and answer emails as quickly as I can because I understand that a parent's probably sat there at the table sending me an email and I'm straight on it going, right, here's how you need to fix it. Here's what needs to come next. Here's how you can approach that. And I think that through the collaborative effort and teachers un- and sorry, parents understanding kind of the thought that has to go into a lesson and understanding you can't you can't really blag the the core concept you can you can kind of make it a bit more creative and fluffy but the core idea in itself whatever you are trying to teach you got to know and you have to be you have to know it backwards if you're going to teach it properly so i feel that that is something that is um coming out of this at least is that people are looking at teachers and going oh shit they you know as much as there might be some people who think about that stereotype of it's it's you know it's childcare. I just need my kid to go somewhere for six hours so I can go to work. I would like to think that there are equally that many people or more that have had a response of, oh shit, teachers really know what they're doing. It's a difficult job. And I'm very grateful that my child is picking up so much. And it's, and it's so difficult when you're at home as well. And I've, had, I've, I've, I've sent quite a few videos out to my parents to say, 
please don't panic if they're not getting it at home. It's a whole new environment. Um, at school, I can be just authority if I need to. If there are days where I need to crack down and we've got a lot of work to get done, I can just be that dick. I can just be that slave driver and just go, right, cool. Listen, guys, we're not going outside until we get this done. But good luck doing that at home. Good yeah. luck doing that at home. And and I totally understand it. And, you know, parents have been coming to me and saying, oh, they're not understanding a particular thing. They're not understanding this particular concept. And I've just tried to, as much as I can, reassure them in that they're not a teacher. And it's not fair for us to expect them to be able to nail it the same way that we can at school because it's a completely different environment. The kids are in a different frame of mind. They've got someone different pushing them. And my job only is to push them. That's their whole relationship with me. Their whole yeah. relationship is I will get work out of you. It's you know, like a asking, parent is very different. It's like asking a home cook to prepare a Michelin star. Oh, oh my God, that was the perfect analogy. That was the perfect analogy. That is exactly what this is. That is exactly what this is. It is Which, you know awesome. what? I'm delighted because yeah. I'm shit at analogies. I'm so <laughs> bad at them. That was perfect. That's like, that's like the best one ever. Because like, otherwise it's like, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's like asking a butterfly catcher to uh, catch butterflies using a shotgun. It's like, what? Where did you even get that from? Whoa, whoa, that's so up. stupid. What? Like, no. so I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad that I came up with a good fucking analogy because i oh, get hammered i get hammered by mrs b all the time <laughs> that wasn't a good analogy <laughs> you're like shut up yeah and i'm just like, right. like all right i'm bad at them okay fuck dude after this, yeah you, I, you can, don't even tell her that you said it in this when you go in and speak to her bring up this conversation and then just be like oh it's just like it's like asking a home cook to cook a michelin meal and then just stare at her and see what she says see if she's like goes oh that's a really good analogy it's gonna you be like Mr. It. T told you that. <laughs> Fuck. I just can't win on this one. I can't win on this. But here's here's an interesting one. We've talked about all of that, um, about the perception of teachers. We've talked about that from the parents' point of view. How do you think our students are gonna view us when they come back to the learning environment? Do you think our students are gonna be appreciative of getting their teachers back or do you think the students are going to be like god i really wish i was back at home i feel like we're on two different ends of the spectrum you've got teenagers and i've got six-year-olds so my kids will not be very excited though. to be back not different. <laughs> not different my kids will be very excited to be back and it will be and it won't be it won't be like it will be to them nothing will have changed that would have been just like a weekend it will just that uh, there will be Almost no impact, in my opinion, on the young children coming back to school. They're just going to be like, oh, cool, back to school. Like They're, they're going to have no concept of that was way longer than what I was meant to be off. I think, I think realistically, they're going to come back in September. I don't think they'll come back before then, at least in my primary school. I think they'll come back in September. And for them, it will just be, oh, cool, that was a nice summer break. I'm back yeah. to it. And that will be it. It's a little bit more sad on my guys because obviously I'm, le I'm leaving my school. So my kids in my class, I might never see again, which is a bit of a weird concept to think about in my head. Obviously, we send videos and stuff through the um, like parent channels. So I, sometimes a kid will do some work and they'll send it to me like, look what I've done or something like that, which is really nice. But as far as person to person, I might legitimately never see some of these children again, which is a bit of a harrowing concept that 
I might not understand it, but on, from their side of things, they'll they'll forget. They're, the kids that I taught last year that I would have taken a bullet for, I, like we were absolutely <laughs> in love. Like uh, they they adored me, and I adored them. It was it was pure, just absolute adoration for each other. Now, sometimes when they see me, they're just like, "Oh, you're right." Like it's it's like I'm just another teacher now, and that is how quickly a kid will move on. So I feel that. If we were to come back to school now, if we were to come back to school next week, my kids would be just pumped to see me and it would be lots of hugs and then back to work. But there's not going to be any more sense of, I should really appreciate this. This teacher is working very hard for me. I'm really, <laughs> they're really trying their best for me here. That's not going to happen in primary school. No way. Um, how do you feel it's going to go for teenagers? I think that if I try and ask any teenager to come back to college for any lesson that starts earlier than 11 in the morning i will have <laughs> if i have a 25 percent attendance rate that will be magnificent um but having said that i think that they're all desperate for a little bit of interaction outside their family units like face to face um several of them said in my last lecture oh man i just cannot wait to go back to college I was like, oh, wow. And they're like, no, not to learn. <laughs> not like, for oh, you, Mr. God. B, obviously. Right, right, fine. They said this on electrical, yeah. by the way. Death blow to my soul. Um, but equally, where you were like, some of the people that you taught last year will walk past you and be like, yeah, you're right. I can, I can like teach these students for weeks on end. They'll only see me. They'll walk past me in a corridor and blank me. And it'll be like, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> Thanks for um, nothing. Yeah, exactly. So I I think that they will probably appreciate not having their parents pressure them. Um, because I think that at this age that I deal with, the parents are always like, why aren't you doing more? Why aren't you achieving more? Whereas I'm like, look, there's a plan. There's a schedule. Just stick to the schedule. Right. You'll get through it. Um. And and I also think, as I mean, if you think back to when you were 16, 17, 18, probably the last thing you would have wanted in the world would be to stuck in, be stuck inside your house with your parents the entire time. Yeah, sure. Without being able to go and see your friends. Um, so I have a feeling that's that's maybe going to happen. Um, but then I don't know. I've felt like I've had a much bigger impact remotely than I have in the classroom with some of my lectures i feel like i have really high attendance rates um i have a lot of engagement from the students they seem to respond well to asking like they seem to want to ask questions more when other people can't see them so they'll yeah. like have their cameras turned off for the most part but they'll have their microphones on and they'll ask a question and you'll be like okay cool that's great they're willing to ask a question that they wouldn't have done in class Right. Um, it's almost like the screen is a barrier to like any kind of insecurity for them. Which is um, great. You're probably getting access to to students that you normally wouldn't just because of that barrier that they've got. Precisely, precisely. And um, I, I really think it's been quite positive on that side of things. Would I want to do it all the time? Absolutely not. Am I in a glorious situation of having taught all of my theory prior to the breakup of colleges? Yeah, I, I prioritize teaching the theory behind all of the practical modules 
Yeah. Um, first. Whereas I know some other colleagues who have been trying to teach everything evenly throughout the year and they're stuck with like 20, 25% of their theory left. And so they're trying to go over some quite boring content just through lecture slides online. Whereas I, will, I was able to make it quite engaging with activities in the classroom. And now what I have is lectures trying to help them evidence their practical work. So I'm right. giving them a lot of responsibility and I'm finding that they're actually really appreciative of having that responsibility. They're really into the idea of me saying, okay, here's the task for this week. You've got to go and film yourself doing this many workouts and giving coaching advice. And I want you to treat it like you're trying to coach someone that has just come in to work in, to work out in your gym for the first time. Yeah. And I'm giving them like a lot of autonomy and a lot of control. I'm saying, right, you need to send me videos at this time, this time, and this time. I'll watch them and then I'll give you feedback on them. And it, it's been working really well. They've been really engaged with it. And I think that that's a bonus for me. Yeah. And I think it's kept a slightly engaging environment for them. But my colleagues who have just been trying to teach off PowerPoint slides, I think are struggling a bit. Oh, I bet. I bet it's fucking awful. You have to adapt, right? You can't just chuck up a PowerPoint and just assume that it's all going to be the same when they're at home. Because I, I know for a fact, if I had, I mean, I've got two screens at home. So I'd have a PowerPoint up on one screen and games up on the other, 100%. And I'm yeah. an adult. So imagine what kids are doing. He's got an Xbox over there. They're just going to whack up the slides. Yeah. yeah, no worries, mate. I've attended. See you later. Like, do you know what I mean? You've got to keep them engaged. And a PowerPoint is fine if you've got a person in front of you, because really the PowerPoint is there is to support the person. But if the PowerPoint exactly. is the focus, good lord, that would be horrendous. That's a lot of yeah. that's a lot of concentration. We had a student dial in from um, their phone the other day, and they were out for a run. <laughs> that's cool. And it's like, well, you're not going to care about what I'm showing. <laughs> They're not going to give a shit, but it's pretty cool yeah. that they've dialed in. But they <clears> cared you, enough. You don't care about what's going on right now. And sure enough, later on, they did like send me an email saying, like, sorry, what was the task? <laughs> oh really oh, okay yeah no yeah. that is taking the piss if they were i and from my perspective then i was thinking oh they, they've still dialed in even though they're on a run that shows good dedication but if they're fucking run if they're just like linking in to link in just to say that they were there and then later on be like wait what was the task then you weren't listening you weren't you weren't yeah, really I mean, they weren't really there but i appreciate the fact that they at least had the the grace to email and say like what was the task that yeah. at least shows to me that they're engaged somewhat yeah i've heard i've had i've heard stories of um other lecturers saying like you know turn your cameras on so i can see that you're actually in here and students just not doing it or whatever but the big giveaway has been when you end the lecture let's say you've got 20 people in your lecture yeah you end the lecture and you're like okay cool have a good morning guys i'll check back in with you for two o'clock for the next lecture if you've got any questions you can email me otherwise you guys can all go now see you later and they've got 20 people in the in the um lecture meeting with all their cameras turned off and like four people leave right and six and 16 people still stay there and yeah like, hello Oh, I see. Right. And sure. So they like, just logged in and fucked off, basically. Yeah. And so for like the next, I think the worst I've heard is like someone remained in the conference call for 45 minutes. Wow. And it's like, well, you clearly weren't there. 
Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that thankfully hasn't happened um, with me. Yeah. Um, but I have quite a good group at the minute. They're they're all behaving quite nicely and doing quite a good job. Uh, but I have I have some fears that it will it will become worse uh, I, over time. I guess to even just to tie this off and to tie it back to the question of how will coronavirus change it, how will the education be changed from the coronavirus, I'm hoping that people will listen to this feedback that you are giving to say, hey, maybe we could do, I don't know if this is necessarily even what you're suggesting, but just from what you're saying, maybe we could do um a mixture of online sessions and sessions in person or yeah perhaps you you if there are certain days where they're only meant to be in for one lecture you could just say hey guys don't bother coming in today but i do expect you to be at this lecture at this time online precisely and, and i mean i don't know i don't know how it works necessarily at college but i'm guessing towards the end is there less of an emphasis on um classwork and more of an emphasis on like coursework and getting stuff prepped and all that stuff like do they necessarily need to be in no so for for us it's always been a case of they have a set number of assignments that are due at a set um a set date for each assignment yeah. so um my last assignment is set three weeks before the end of term right um or four weeks sorry four weeks before the end of the year that's when my last assignment is due in. So they hand it in to me and I have a two week period of time to mark it. And they have a two week period of time to resubmit it if they don't pass. Yeah. And that covers the final month. Um, and everything else will be done prior to that. So if they're done, if they hand that in a month ahead of, uh, if they hand that in with one month left to go, and then I mark it, and they're done. That's it. They're done. That's they it. That's the end. Finish. Sure. That's it. Yeah, they don't have to be there. Um, and exactly what you're saying. I think that I'm hoping. I'm so hopeful that this will show a shift towards online learning is feasible. Yeah. Because I really do think it is a positive direction for education, and I think there are lots of ways around it. Maybe. Maybe you do run like distance learning courses and during the half terms, students can come and do two or three intensive practical days per half term. Yeah. Um, with us. And we also run our kind of normal program, but we also run this distance learning one on the side. Maybe it's like adults who want to study the subject, but then they can't come in, but, you know, you tell them three or four times a year, you've got to come onto campus for three or four days at a time and do all your practical components. Great. I mean, like that's a way of someone being able to get through and, and take a qualification they'd maybe never have done before. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm really hopeful that like you say, we'll be a bit more flexible with how we can approach online learning. Cause I think it is very, very useful. Well, let's, I mean, fingers crossed. And I'm hoping that this will get sorted for september to be honest i really don't want this to be 2021 is the year of us discussing what happened last yeah, year yeah. i would like it to be sorted now and you know fuck you know maybe you don't but some of us have got time on our hands so fucking throw it to <laughs> us and we can get on with it and you know um i think as well like just the amount of communication that needs to be going between teachers and government right now is huge and yeah. it needs to maintain that needs to be maintained well after this 
because I feel like we have opened up some good avenues. I mean, my union's been going fucking nuts the entire time and have been very much on side of the government, but have also made it perfectly clear that this Don't needs to carry us. on, basically. <laughs> like, whatever, like this, this positive relationship we have right now, let's maintain this. Let's not lose this, which is great. Um, I think um, that this is probably a good time to wrap up. Well, I was going to say, do you, have a, do you have anything for From the Classroom or anything like that? Dude, so, I mean, so, for my From the Classroom, we, I've been sending videos home to the kids, and the kids have been sending videos into me. <laughs> and, um, and some of these videos, man, it was so funny. And one of them is a boy in my class who, um, who, <laughs> who, we did, we did, we did an experiment where you fill up a, you fill up a, like a, a mug or a glass of water and then you put a plate on top and then you put ice cubes on top of the plate and you basically create rain and the rain starts dropping down into the water. It's really cool. And he, he sent me one video where it wasn't working and he was fuming. He was so pissed off. He was just like, he was like I've done everything that it said to do. Blah, blah, blah. I don't understand. His mom's like, just wait, just wait, just wait. And then she sent me another video later on of him like, going nuts because it was working and this poor kid must have been sat there watching this experiment for like half an hour like why is it not working nothing's happening and then it started to rain into his glass and he was so happy man so um <laughs> i guess i would just say like there have been so many different videos one of them was uh, i asked everyone to send me in a video asking me any questions that they had Literally, oh, that no. was just it. I was just like, hey, guys, just like, send in any questions. And some of the questions have been so funny. One of them was asking me if I love Mrs. T, which I thought was nice. That it was just, it was just like, okay, Mr. T, um, really nice to speak to you. By the way, do you love Mrs. T? <laughs> I was like, yes. Thanks for, uh, thanks for checking up on me <laughs> and my marriage while I'm through this uh, isolation. The answer is yes. Thank you so much, children, for your, for your six-year-old concern. <laughs> but yeah, you've that's been some... it for mine. Yeah, I'm sure you've I've... had loads of stuff. I've had, right, right before we broke up, I had one student say, Look, if, they, if they have to deep clean the college, how are they going to do it? And I was like, well, specially trained people and specially trained protective equipment will come in and they'll disinfect everything. And the student looks me dead in the eye and completely seriously goes, but how are they going to disinfect the trees? <laughs> um, it's a good question. How? And then... <laughs> how are they uh, going to disinfect the trees? The first time I had to take one of my student groups, I was like, okay, guys, we'll just give it a couple more minutes to see if anyone else uh, dials in. And it um, goes real quiet. One of them goes, so, uh, Mr. B, house tour? <laughs> I was like, no, no house tour. No house tour. No house tour. Um, I had another one dial into a lecture. He was in the park. He was sitting at the park, sitting on a park bench, looking out over this lake. Um, and he had a bag full of junk food with him. And he was just like eating his, he was so proud of himself. He was showing everyone on the camera just chowing down through this junk food and this good looking girl runs past behind him he's like oh oh mr b did you see her oh oh i was like well go go talk to her then i said but like make sure you stay two meters away from her he said i'll stay two meters close to her yeah i was just like oh god oh god like 
don't don't use that if that's your yeah, game. Yeah, like don't, do don't don't rock up to her with that. Don't and don't then, don't go in. And then perhaps most alarmingly out of all of it, I've had two students shave their head. Just you go, know what? Hey, I know a lot hey, of Mr. people who shave their head. Yeah, I'm, like they just go, "Hey, Mister B, you want to see something?" I'm like, "Oh, I don't know. Do I like? Do I want you to turn your camera on?" Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. like, and then they turn it on, and it's just a picture of their shaved head. And they're going, "Hey, hey, Mister B, like you, hey." I'm like, "Oh no, not like me." You, you were doing it before it was cool. I was like, "I'm bald. You shave your head. There's a difference." <laughs> That's so fucking great. Like the idea of you having access to teenagers on like them seeing some girl in the park is oh, so funny to me. Like terrifying. you didn't sign up for this shit. Yeah, and it's it's it's. But to be fair, they have been a fair joy to work with. Like they've not been hard at all. Mm. So I hope that it does continue. I hope that whatever happens. The, the kind of positivity that I'm experiencing with the students continues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I feel like this has been a good time to build those relationships and you've kind of shown more of your human side as we all have. Yeah. And that we're not these like indestructible education bots that are there to kind of you know, let people know what's to happen. <laughs> we're just sort of cold humans. You know, we're, we're actually people too and we, we care. <laughs> oh, also worth us pointing out while we're still in this like phase of the show uh we passed 500 listens uh this week so yeah i guess uh, i guess you could say we've made the uh we've made the big time <laughs> we're now and, one of the big uh, leagues. yeah yeah you know i mean we're right up there um i expect the new york times to be calling any day now <laughs> and uh we have listeners from oh let me bring up the list actually do a quick shout out to where all I hope you're going to say hello to them in every language that they're in every language yeah, yeah. alright here we go uh, and uh, yeah saying hello to people in every language uh, we have uh, <laughs> here hello, we go United Kingdom hello United States hello Sweden <laughs> whoa hang on I think it's hi it's hi yeah, okay, hi Sweden hello Jamaica Hola, Spain. Oh, fuck. Uh, hello, Greece. <laughs> hello, India. Hello, Turkey. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait. So far, we've had hello for everyone, and then we've had hola. That is all we've had. Guten Tag for Germany. Nice. Nice. Uh, uh, hello, Australia. Hello, Guam. Hello, hello Guam. Hello, Guam. <laughs> I don't think that's hello. <laughs> hello, Guam. Basically, hello, everyone. Thank you so uh, much. Hello or bonjour, Canada. And then um, we've had one listen from Russia, so I assume that was a mistake. They, uh, they, but... they listened a bit and went, oh, no. Uh, he- hello. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, man. Really well done. Right, let's wrap this up because we're getting close to the hour mark and at that point, no one's listening. All right. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening, guys. Hopefully, you're listening to this in the future and all this shit has passed and you're thinking, what the fuck are these guys talking about? Stay safe. Stay two meters apart. Wash your hands. Don't cough on people. Don't lick people. Don't lick trees. Don't allow yourself to be coughed on or licked on. (laughs) Don't allow yourself. Oh, God. Edit that bit out.
<laughs> I'll see you guys in a bit. Bye bye. This is the fun part. We'd love to hear from you. Comments and questions are most welcome. Every month, we're going to answer questions from listeners in one special episode. So you can send your questions in to inatbreak at gmail.com. And if you're enjoying the show, then please subscribe. Maybe you could even tell a friend. Or maybe you could even give us a little follow on Twitter. At inatbreak. Or follow us on Instagram. Also, at inatbreak. See you next time. Bye.